You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are going through a nine-week series, uh, a discipleship series entitled Forward. So this is uh, one of the uh, longest series that we have, no? a nine-week series. And... Um, what we are saying, well, that's why we said forward, is that we wouldn't like to get stuck anywhere, right? We, don't like to, we wouldn't like to get stuck in an elevator. We don't like to get stuck in a traffic jam. All the more, we wouldn't like to get stuck in our spiritual life or in a spiritual journey with Jesus. We would like to advance. Say with me, advance. We'd like to advance and we'd like to grow in our relationship with Jesus. That's why we entitled it Forward. Now, our overarching uh, uh, verse for the whole nine-week series, for this series, is found in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. This is the invitation of Jesus to Peter and his brother Andrew. And he says, and he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Here in this particular verse, we see a command and also a promise. The command is, come follow me. And the promise is, I will make you fishers of men. Interesting to note that most of the promises of God in the Bible is hinged on our obedience to His, uh, being obedient to His uh, commandment. So He says, Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. An example of this is uh, uh, a command that says, give and it shall come back to you, good measure, press down, shaking together and running over. So the command is to give, the promise is that it will return to you. Another command with the promise is, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge Him and God will direct your path. Again, a promise that is tied up to a commandment. Here also, in this particular verse, we see that there is, of course, a relational aspect to discipleship. Come, follow me. Uh, Jesus uh, is extending this invitation uh, for us to get to know him more, for us to have an intimate, growing relationship uh, with him. Come, follow me. That is a relational aspect. But again, it is also tied up to a missional aspect. And I will make you fishers of men. So relational plus missional. And as we walk with Jesus, as we follow Jesus, as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, there's going to be an alignment of hearts. There's going to be a download of heart. His priority becomes our priority. His desires become our desires. His heartbeat becomes our heartbeat and we become to look like Jesus. We become like Jesus. We become a disciple of Jesus. Here in Victory, we always say that we, the reason why we get up, suit up, show up, Sunday in, Sunday out, is for two reasons and two reasons only. That is to honor God and to make disciples. When we honor God, we say we follow Jesus in all aspects of life. We follow, as we follow Jesus, we honor God. We honor God and make disciples. Making disciples is fishing for men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. 
a disciple is a follower of Jesus. Uh, in our context, we say, uh, what is a disciple? We, we somehow uh, gave a definition of what a disciple is. So we know that a disciple is, can anyone know? The disciple is one who follows Jesus. A disciple is one who fishes for men. And a disciple is one who fellowships with believers. This is a disciple. Follows Jesus, faces for men, fellowships with believers. What if, say with me, what if? What if it's just two out of three and not three out of three? What if someone follows Jesus, fishes for men, but does not fellowship with believers? I think this is dangerous. I think uh, without accountability, without fellowshipping with other believers, uh, there is no accountability, there is no church community, the person cannot be corrected, the person cannot be uh, trained, the person cannot receive encouragement. Surely this is not the design of Jesus. But what if someone follows Jesus, fellowships with believers, but does not fish for men? I think this too is not right. It becomes a club. It becomes a Christian club. So they obey, they, they, they follow Jesus, they fellowship with one another, but yet they don't fish for men. And we know that God comforts the afflicted, but many times you also see that God sends some kind of affliction to those who are always in their comfort zone. God wants us to step out of our comfort zone and go follow him and let us fish for men. The next example is this. What about this? A person who fishes for men, that's good. A person who fellowships with others, that's also good. But they don't follow Jesus. Now this, I think, is the most dangerous kind. Won't you agree? This is occultic. This becomes something else. Maybe fraternity. Maybe it's a fraternity. Maybe it's some kind of a secret society. But definitely not the church, right? Not the church. A disciple, of course, we know is one who follows Jesus, one who fishes for men, and one who fellowships with others. And this now is our main frame uh, for, for, for our uh, discipleship series. We have three segments. The first segment we just completed on follow Jesus. We talked about uh, spiritual disciplines, essential doctrine, and life change. Now we are now in our second uh, segment, fishes for men. Just last week, Pastor Ariel preached a very powerful message on understanding the gospel. And right now we will be having our fifth installment, which is entitled Preaching the Gospel. Um, by the way, if you have missed out on any of the preaching and uh, uh, you want to have access to that preaching, you can download uh, the Victory Alabang app. It's a free download in your uh, the iOS or Android platform. When you download the Victory Alabang app, you will have access to all our preachings, no? the preachings on uh, this series and all other series. At the same time, not only the preachings here in Acacia Hotel, but in the whole Alabang hub, the preachings in our Festival Mall, our SM Montinlupa, and our SM Las Piñas uh, uh, services. Going back to our topic for this afternoon, fifth installment, preaching the gospel. Question here is this. Why don't we preach the gospel? 
Why, why, why is it not automatic for us to preach the gospel? Well, come, uh, some, of, some thoughts came to mind, and uh, let's see if you would agree with this. Okay? Why don't you preach the gospel? Number one, maybe the lack of um, the sense of urgency. Maybe, why don't you preach the gospel right now? Well, maybe next time. Maybe another time. There'll be another time. Uh, there are people that we meet regularly. Take the case of your barber or the case of your uh, hairstylist. You meet them at least once a month or every month. And why don't you share the gospel? Oh, maybe next time. Maybe there'll be another time. So we lack the sense of urgency. Or maybe we, we lack the boldness, right? We are intimidated by people. I'm not sure if uh, this guy is receptive to the gospel. I don't want to be rejected. And, and I, I'm not sure if I'm able to answer any questions that he or she may ask. So we lack that boldness, right? Or maybe, well, the third example is quite heavy, but maybe we lack testimony, or there is no good testimony. It's hard to preach the gospel if you don't have a good testimony. Don't you agree? Somehow, a good testimony gives us a platform, some kind of a credential that what we are going to say has merits, that gives us the right to, to, to say something, the right to be heard. We need to have a good testimony. Another reason, maybe, why we don't preach the gospel is because maybe we're thinking we lack the skill, we lack the training, we don't have the proper tools to preach the gospel. Now, these are valid uh, uh, concerns. That's why uh, in, in, in victory, or uh, I think um, in all the churches, there must be a proper training, there must be equipping so that the, the, the church or the, the people can go share the gospel, can preach the gospel. I remember the time I got born again in 1991. So in the early 90s, we had a tool. Uh, I don't know if you can relate with me. It's called the two diagnostic tests. Uh, so we would ask this, we would approach a stranger and we would, we would shoot out a question that goes, if you were to die tonight, do you know for certain that you would go to heaven? What a scary question, right? Approach a stranger says, uh, excuse me, sir, uh, if you were to die tonight, hold up more. So that was a shotgun approach, right? Uh, the second question is, if you would face Jesus uh, uh, at the very entrance of heaven and Jesus would ask you, why would, I let, why would I let you inside my heaven? What would you say? Those were the tools that we had back then. Here in, well, now, here in Victory, we have a powerful tool that, that we use, and this is the God test. Okay? The God test really is a global survey. It's composed of 10 questions that if you use this tool, it would give you a platform to share the gospel. This particular tool is also downloadable in your app store or Google Play. So you can have this tool, the God test, in your digital uh, mobile device. You know, if you, you carry a Bible, it, gets, uh, you, it becomes intimidating, right? So the God test, if you don't have it yet, please download it. Uh, we have someone in our congregation, if you were here last, last week, uh, Pastor Ariel also mentioned that we have someone in our con congregation, in fact, she's here right now, Tita Selly. Yeah, she's been using the God test uh, each time she rides the Uber or uh, grab taxi. Uh, so she shared the gospel using the God test. And the next week, the driver and the whole family 
uh, attended our service in, here in Akasha. Isn't that amazing? So why don't we give God praise for that? That's amazing. Thank you for having the boldness and the courage uh, to share. Now, let's go back to our topic this afternoon. The topic this afternoon, the fifth installment of our series entitled Forward is Preaching the Gospel. Our main text for this afternoon is found in Acts uh, chapter 10, verse 34 to 43. I would like everybody to stand up as we read uh, our main text this afternoon. Again, uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 34 to 43. I also included the verses in the PowerPoint. So I'd like to invite you to read along with me with your beautiful voices so that we all uh, read this in unison. All right? Starting from verse 34, let's all read. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As far as the word he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear not to all people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Let's all bow down our heads and pray. Father God, we bless you and we thank you for this wonderful afternoon. Lord, we welcome your Holy Spirit in our midst. Father, we pray that you're going to speak to our hearts and bless our time together as we meditate upon your word. Bless the preaching of your word and may your name be glorified. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Interesting passage in uh, Acts chapter 10. The main verse really st uh, starts from the middle of the chapter, but later on we will look at the background. We'll have to look at the beginning of the chapter as for us to have a better understanding of this particular passage. But one thing that I'd like to highlight right now or right off this, this, this uh, passage is found in, in, in this verse, verse 42, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify. You see, preaching the gospel is a command. It is not just an option. It is not just a suggestion by God to, to, to us. It is a command. Now, why did God have to command Peter to preach the gospel? Well, we need to understand that Peter is coming from a cultural and a religious mindset, a paradigm, uh, some kind of bias, because as a Jew, 
they don't, uh, but that's, as you do, Peter, uh, does, they don't uh, relate with people from other nations. In fact, they don't even talk to Samaritans because if they, if they do that, they will be defiled and they think they'll be unclean. All the more that they will not talk to, 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 to Roman soldiers because it is Rome who afflicted uh, their nation, their country, all the, and they were enemies of Israel, all the more he wouldn't preach the gospel. But this now is a command. It's not an option. It's not a suggestion. It is a command by God for Peter to preach and to testify about the goodness of God, about the gospel. Let's look at the background. Acts chapter 10, verse 1 to 8. There is a man. His name is Cornelius. He is a Gentile. He is a military officer. A Roman centurion in uh, Caesarea, as a centurion, he is in command of 100 soldiers. He is an officer. And as an officer, he is uh, very prominent and was rich, wealthy. That is the profile of uh, Cornelius. So what happened in Acts chapter 10, verse 1 to 8? Cornelius was praying. Obviously, he is a God-fearing man. Although a Gentile, although a Roman officer, not a Jew, but still, he is praying. God-fearing. Do you know some people like that? They're not really Christians. They don't really go to church. They're not really part of, of, of the Christian church, but they are praying. This was like uh, Cornelius. He's not a Jew. But he is God-fearing, he is praying. Now, while he was praying, Cornelius saw a vision. He saw an angel. Wow. He saw an angel. And of course, if anyone would see an angel right now, we would be so scared. So he was scared. He was, he was terrified. What could this mean? So he saw a vision of an angel and also received an instruction. And he was instructed to send men to fetch Peter from the city of Joppa. That was his vision. That was the instruction that he received while in prayer. And so that's what he did. He sent his, his men to go fetch Peter. This guy named Simon Peter who is in Joppa. So he, he sent forth. Now how far is uh, Caesarea, Caesarea to Joppa? It's about 30 miles, about two days journey during that time. So he sent men along the way to, to fetch Peter. Meanwhile, Acts chapter uh, 10, verse 10 to 15. Peter was also praying. He was also praying in the city of Joppa. And this is the account. He saw, Peter also saw a vision. He saw a vision of a great linen sheet uh, f- with, with various animals and reptiles. He saw this. What does this mean? A big, a big uh, linen uh, sheet of, of animals, various animals. And he received an instruction. The instruction or the voice of God says, Peter, rise up, kill and eat. Kill and eat. Now Peter replied, or or actually he declined. He says, by no way, by, by no means, Lord, will I eat and touch anything that is unclean. Say with me, unclean. That was the, the response of Peter. But the voice said, the voice of God says, do not call unclean what God has made clean. Interesting to note, if you would read this passage, that this happened to Peter three times. 
three times. Can you imagine that? He saw the vision. The word says, kill and eat. And he says, certainly not, Lord. I won't touch anything unclean. And the word of God says, don't call that unclean. That has made clean. Now go and eat. And he goes, certainly not, Lord. It goes repeating. It's repeating itself for three times. Something with Peter. Something about three times. Uh, he denied Jesus three times. Jesus restored him three times. Peter, do you love me? If you love me, uh, feed my sheep. Take care of my lamb three times. And now this vision, three times. After the third time, it's kind of funny, the vision disappeared. It's like God got tired. God just simply got tired. Okay, stop. Maybe he'll get it. Now, while Peter was still figuring out what that vision is all about, what is the meaning of that vision, the men from the house of Cornelius already arrived in Joppa. And the Spirit of God said to Peter, Peter, go with this man, for it is I who sent them to you. Normally, Peter will never go or will not go with any Roman soldier. It could be the end of him. But because the Lord says so, he went and he followed. And so Peter went with the men. They went on the journey and now we jump to verse 28. This is the verse that when Peter arrived, when Peter arrived in that house, the house of uh, Cornelius, this is what he said. Verse 28, And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful, say it me, unlawful, how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Again, Peter, being a Jew, had a cultural and a religious, they ha he has religious biases about preaching the gospel. But God was about to break that mindset. God is about to, to, to destroy that paradigm that the gospel is not just for the Jews. The gospel is for all men. Say it me, all men. Point number one, the gospel for all. Verse 34 to 35, Peter now preaches the gospel. Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand. Now he gets it. He was wondering what the vision was all about. He's trying to understand what that vision all about is all about. But when he went to that house, when he stepped forth inside that house, in that home of Cornelius, now he says, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and thus what is right is acceptable to him. No partiality, no favoritism. The gospel is for all men. No matter what uh, race you're from, but the color of your skin, no matter what et ethnicity uh, we, are with, we are in, it doesn't matter. The gospel is for all men. Say it me, all men. No matter what your religious affiliation may be, the gospel is for all men. Even if you're with, if in the Islam, the Buddhist, uh, uh, Hindu, the gospel is for all men. It's for all men. There's no partiality. It doesn't matter what car you drive or what house you live in. The gospel is for all men. 
God called Peter to, Cor to Cornelius, a Gentile, a Roman soldier, an enemy of Israel. But yet, God called Peter to preach the gospel. Who among us here are thankful that God did not show partiality? Amen? That the message of His forgiveness, the message of His love was given to us all. Amen? Can we give God praise? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The following verse, now Peter continues to preach. And he says, For the word that was sent to Israel, preaching the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. Can, we, can you say that with me? Lord of all. Not of a few, not of one religious uh, group, not just of one nation, but He is Lord of all. He is Lord of all. To Him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. At first, there is like a sense of exclusivity that the message of the gospel is for the Jews only. Or the grace of God or the favor of God is only for the Christians or only for those people that are uh, uh, called by God. But the favor of God and the grace of God is for all men. John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world, the whole world, that He gave His only one, His, His one and only begotten Son, that whosoever, whoever would believe in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. The gospel knows no boundaries. It is not exclusive. It is inclusive of all men. Of all men. John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, To those who receive Him, to those who believe in His name, He gave them the right to be called children of God. To everyone who would believe, to everyone, no matter what the race, no matter uh, the social standing, whether you're in class A, class B, class C, D, E, F, G, of the social hierarchy, the gospel is for all men. Interesting uh, to note is this, in the following verse, verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, he was still preaching, he was still talking, he was still saying these things. While Peter was still saying these things, wala pa pong altar call, wala pang ministry time, he was still uh, preaching the word. While he was still preaching or saying these things, the Holy Spirit, say with me, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing that God is no respecter of people. He's not a respecter of any, any, any person. He shows no partiality. As the mindset of Peter is being reformed and being destroyed, the paradigms destroyed, I hope that the Word of God will continue to remove and destroy all paradigms or biases that we may have. The Holy Spirit can fall on any person, any religious uh, uh, affiliation, a person of any social standing, any person that would receive Jesus, the, the, the Holy Spirit, the favor of God, the manifest presence of God can fall and be on any person. Amen? This is what happened. 
Interesting to note that Acts chapter 10 is also called the Pentecost of the Gentiles. Acts chapter 2 is the Pentecost of the Jews. And we know the 120 gathered in the upper room. The Holy Spirit came upon them uh, like tongues of fire and they're all speaking in tongues. Acts chapter 10, Gentiles, Roman soldiers, enemies of Israel received the Holy Spirit and they were speaking in tongues. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? The gospel is not exclusive but inclusive of all men. Can we give God praise? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But God shows His love for us. Who us? All of us. Look at the person beside you. He say, us. God shows His love for all of us in while we were still sinners. Who are the sinners? All of us. Look at the person beside you. Look at the person beside you. Sinners! But God showed His love for all of us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. We were enemies of Christ. But yet, God showed His love for you and for me. God showed His, his love for all of us. No matter what your past may be, no matter where we've been, what we've done, it does not matter. His love is for all of us. Amen? Four words. Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Christ died for all men. Christ died for you and for me. Now what would it take if this is for all men, a wonderful message for all mankind, what would it take for this message of the gospel to be preached in our communities, in our universities, in our neighborhood, in our companies, what would it take for this wonderful message of the gospel to be preached? For Peter, it took a vision for Peter, for Peter to preach. Maybe we also need a vision. Maybe we need to have a vision of our communities. We need to have a vision of our neighborhood. We need to have a vision of our companies. We need to have a vision of our nation and of nations. What could be, what should be, what will be if the gospel is preached? What's the picture of that once the gospel is preached to our uh, sphere of influence? For the gospel has power to transform lives. Amen? That is the power of the gospel. What would it take for the gospel to be preached? The message, the gospel message. Acts chapter 10, verse 42 to 43. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The gospel is good news that in Christ, we have forgiveness. In Christ, our sins are washed away. No matter what our past may be, our sins are washed away. In Christ, that's good news. Good news for all of us. Why? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You have a past. I have a past. 
all of us have a past. But yet, the forgiveness of God, the love of God in the gospel shows that we are forgiven. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. We know by faith that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so in Christ, we have forgiveness. That is the gospel message. There is forgiveness that is available. There is redemption that is available. There is salvation that is already paid for. All we need to do is to trust and to believe. Dr. Rice Brooks, one of our founders, did a summary of what the gospel is. What is the gospel? So this is a summary by Dr. Rice Brooks. Maybe I can invite all of you to read this with me, all of us together. Let's read this. Ready? Let's read. The gospel is good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he is the Son of God and offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sin to anyone who repents and believes in Him. That is the gospel. God, the Holy God, became man, became man through Jesus Christ. And Jesus lived the holy, perfect, sinless life that we failed to live. And He died the death that we should have died. Upon the cross, there was an exchange. He took away our sins and He gave us His righteousness. That is what He did. But He did not remain dead. After three days, He rose from the dead. As a proof to all the world, as a proof that He is the Son of God, and now He has the right to offer forgiveness and salvation to everyone. Say with me, everyone. Does that include us? Amen. To offer to everyone the free gift of salvation and forgiveness of sin. Now that is good news. Can we give God praise? He lived the life that we cannot live. He died the death that we should have died. Praise God. Good news. The gospel is the good news of what God did. It's what God did. We didn't do anything. It's what God did. We need to realize the gravity of our sin and appreciate the greatness of His love. What's the gravity of our sin? Well, it took Jesus to go to the cross, to suffer, to shed His blood for the washing away of the sin of mankind. Your sins and mine. The gravity of our sin. We appreciate also the greatness of His love. This love knows no boundaries. This love is eternal. This love is unconditional. This love is everlasting. The love of God for you and for me does not change. Amen? This is the love of Jesus Christ fully displayed on that cross. If someone would ask him, how much do you love me? How much do you love me, Jesus? He says, I love you this much. 
this much, arms spread wide, nail-pierced hands saying, I love you this much. Come on, give God praise. In spite of who we are, in spite of who we are, in spite of our shortcomings, many times we, we, we stumble, we fall, we drop the ball. But God is the lifter of our heads. Amen? There's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. The good news is what God did. There's nothing that I can do to save myself. I cannot reach up to God, so God reached down to me. He is holy, I am not. He is righteous, I am wicked. He is pure, I am not. He is God. I cannot save myself. He reached down to me, to us, and saved us. This is what God did for you and to me. This is the message of the gospel. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 5, it says, But God, say that with me, but God. But God being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved you, with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we, you have been saved. It is just by His amazing grace. It is because of His love. The very reason why we are here, it is because of His love, of what He has done for you and for me. That's why we should not be ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is the expression of the love of Jesus for mankind. The gospel is, is, is the expression of His love for you and for me. This is the greatest message of all time, for all mankind, the message of the gospel. We should not be ashamed. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, Therefore I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power, say with me, power. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. It is the power of God. The gospel has power for salvation. No matter what the sin may be, whatever, whatever uh, strongholds or, 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 or chains of sin may be, the gospel has power to set people free. The gospel has power for salvation. There may be some soul locked in some deep dungeon of hell, but the power of God for salvation is in the message of the gospel is able to free, set people free. Amen? It is because of the power of God, sinners, it is because of the power of the gospel, sinners are forgiven. It is because of the power of the gospel that men and women are redeemed to be sons and daughters of God. It is because of the power of the gospel that men are called out from darkness and brought to the wonderful light of Jesus. It is because of the power of the gospel that hell is being emptied and heaven is being filled. Amen? Let's give God praise. Those of us who receive the gospel, we thank God because our sins are forgiven. Those of us who receive the gospel, we thank God because we have been redeemed. 
counted as sons and daughters of God. Those of us who will receive the gospel, we give him praise for we are called out of darkness and brought in this wonderful kingdom of light. That is the gospel. We need to preach the gospel. We need to proclaim the gospel. We need to make the gospel known. Acts chapter 10, verse 42. It says, He commanded us, say with me, commanded us. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is He whom God has appointed to judge the living and the dead. It is a command. Preaching the gospel is a command from God. The gospel must be preached for it to be received. The gospel needs to be, to be proclaimed. There is no other way. There is no other way except to preach the gospel. It is a command. Preach without partiality. Preach with the power of the Holy Spirit. Just preach the gospel. Testify of the goodness of God in your life. Testify about the faithfulness of God. Testify of the, of the grace that we have received. Testify of the forgiveness that we have received. Communicate, speak, share the love of Jesus that is unconditional. It is a command. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify. Say it me, testify. We are to preach. We are to make known. We are to testify. It's so easy to proclaim or promote a product that we all enjoy. If you enjoy this product, you enjoy this, this service, automatically you testify of this. You know, this is really, really good. You better go to this hotel or, or go to this restaurant and try their, their food. It's really, really good. It's so easy to promote. It's easy to testify about something that we really enjoy. I hope the gospel also is something that we testify about. The truth of the love of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, the salvation that is made available to all who would believe. Acts 1.8 says this, But you will receive power, say with me, power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Say with me, witnesses. In Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Witness means to testify. Witness means to stand in court under oath. Witness means to proclaim. It is the power of God through the Holy Spirit that would cause you and me to become God's witness. In our own sphere of influence. In our homes. In our offices. In our communities even to strangers. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Thank you, Lord, for the power. Thank you for the burden. Thank you that you will cause me, cause us, to cause you and me. God can use us. God can use you. Isa kang saksi. You are God's witness. You will testify of God's goodness. Through the power of the Holy Spirit that's at work in us 
and also through us. You see, God's name will be glorified in our lives. We bear the name of God. We are Christians. And God's name will be glorified. He will cause His name to be glorified in our lives. Amen? Romans chapter 10, verse 13 to 14. It says, For everyone, say again, everyone, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in Him of whom they have not heard? How are they to hear without someone? Say with me, someone. Again, say with me, someone. Look at the person beside you. Say, someone. Without someone preaching to them. Preaching is the way that God chose for the gospel to be revealed. We can be good citizens in our communities. We could be model employees in our uh, businesses, in our offices. We could be a good friend, generous, loving friend. But without us preaching the gospel, people will not be saved. They need to hear about the love of God. They need to hear about the forgiveness that is made available for them. They need to hear how God gave His only begotten Son to be the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Without the preaching of the gospel, people will not be saved. You know what, friends? God has entrusted the gospel not to angels, but to you and to me. God has entrusted the message of the gospel to men. How easy uh, would it be no, for, for angels to go and preach the gospel? But the gospel message was not entrusted to angels. The gospel message was entrusted to men. Why? Because angels do not, cannot give what they don't, what they don't have. It's us who receive forgiveness from God. It is us who receive the redemption. It is us who receive the love of Jesus. Jesus did not die for the angels. Amen. Jesus died for you and for me that we may be redeemed, that we may be saved. Amen. Can we give God praise? All this is done because of His love for you and for me. And now He calls us to share this message. The Lord has entrusted this beautiful, wonderful message for all mankind. He entrusted it to you and to me to preach the gospel, to share the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. All this is from God. Say with me, from God. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us, who us, all of us who believe. Through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us, who us, all of us, the ministry of reconciliation. God calls you and me into partnership with Him. God has entrusted to us the message of the gospel. We are to preach the gospel in whatever expression, in whatever ways and means, in our own small way. 
if I'm part of uh, uh, the volunteer ministry of, of prayer, then I'll preach the gospel through prayer. If I'm part of Kids Church Volunteer, I'll preach the gospel through Kids Church. If I'm part of the music team, I'll preach the gospel through music. If I'm a lawyer, doctor, accountant, I'll preach the gospel through my profession. I will preach the gospel. We are to preach the gospel and use our lives as a testimony to testify of His goodness, of His love, of His mercy of His grace, of His salvation. God can use us. God can use you. In fact, God chose you. St. Augustine of Hippo says, Without God, we can't. Without us, God won't. You see, God used um, a Moses to liberate his, liberate his people from Egypt. God used a Jonah to preach the gospel in Nineveh. God used a Peter to proclaim the gospel to the whole household of Cornelius. God used someone to share the gospel to you. God used someone to share the gospel to you. Question is, will the gospel stop with us? Right now, I believe there is someone, there is a Cornelius waiting to hear the gospel, the message of the gospel from you. You are to preach, we are to preach the gospel to the people around us. God will cause it to happen. We simply need to obey. For the main point, simply this, God chose you. God chose you. Look at the person beside you. Say, you. God chose you. God chose you to preach the gospel. Now go. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Can we all stand up? Let's give God praise. Can we all stand up? Let's all pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your, thank you for your love for us. Lord, we don't deserve it, but Lord, you freely give it and you give it abundantly. Many times we stumble, we fall, we drop the ball, yet your love remains unconditional for each and every one of us. Thank you for your love, the message, Lord, of your salvation. Lord, we pray that you continue to use our lives, Lord, as a channel, as a vessel for your gospel to be heard for us to testify of how good you are, Lord, to the people around us, for the people that need to hear the gospel. Thank you, Lord. Lord, let your anointing fall upon your people now. Lord, we commit to you our hearts. Lord, we commit to you our lives. We pray that in the life that we live, your name be glorified. Lord, we speak your word to your people right now. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be God's witnesses in your sphere of influence. The Holy Spirit will cause this to happen. Lord, thank you. We receive your anointing. Lord, would you release your blessing, release your anointing to your people. Divine enablement divine empowerment God use us for the proclamation of your gospel the proclamation of your message of forgiveness message of salvation message of your love thank you Lord you'll cause us you'll cause this to happen 
through the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Just give you glory. We bless you, Lord. And we say yes to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give God praise.